One of, the, one of the things as we get into this message, um, if I can share with you, I, I always try to be vulnerable and, and open book so that you understand that uh, if he can change a life like me, then he can change you too. Amen. Um, you know, one of the things I had a tough time with in Bible college, um, in fact, my whole relationship with the Lord and leading to Bible college and, and even understanding the scriptures and being like, I don't understand how you can be a good father. I mean, I understand what the Bible says, but I, don't, I, don't, I can't see it. I'm a real visual learner type of dude. Like, directions and steps don't help me. I'm gonna have to, like, physically screw the screw in and, and mess up and do it again and do it again, muscle memory type of thing. But I would read the word, and it just, like, wouldn't connect with any visual whatsoever, none. And um, what I realized was because I was trying to see the Father in heaven is being a good, loving Father, and I had never experienced that. I'd experienced an abusive Father, uh, a drunk Father. Um, I, I experienced that. And then my stepdad was awesome, never laid a hand on any of us, my, my brother and I, amazing man, but he, he was very cold, very, you know. I went out to the garage one time, I wanted to get a 64 Impala when I was 14 years old and, and, and build this 64 Impala with him. And so I go out there and I said, Don, his name was Don. And he goes, yeah, what's up? And he goes, uh, uh, I said, I wanna, I wanna learn how to fix cars and if, if I save up money and, and buy a 64 Impala, would you help me restore it? And he goes, absolutely. He goes, you ready to start? And I'm like, yeah, are we gonna go to the, now this is gonna age me more than the gray hair does. He was, I thought we were gonna go down to the corner store and grab the nickel ads. It was a little newspaper that, that was like Craigslist, but, <laughs> but on paper. And, um, and so he says, he had these shelves in the garage and he said, go grab that book. And, and I go over and I'm like, which one? And he's like, the Mopar one. I don't know what Mopar is. Some of you engine people know what Mopar is. And this book was like that thick. It, it was gigantic. And so I pick it up. I'm 14 years old, about 120 pounds. The book weighed about the same. And uh, I set it down on his workbench. And I said, well, now what? I'm thinking that I'm gonna start helping him on, I didn't know he was working on a carburetor. And, uh, and I thought I was gonna be able to help him with that. And he says, well, when you're done with reading that, you can come back out in the garage. And I thought he was joking. And so... You know, he had a dry sense of humor, and, and so I, I kind of open up the thing, and, and I'm looking, it's saying bolt sizes and wash. I mean, I don't even know what a bolt's used for. And uh, I'm just sitting there, I'm like. I walk back in, the back in the house, turned on some sports center. Brother and I watched some basketball probably, and I played sports the rest of my life. Um, which, don't, don't, it's not sad. I don't waste any time in the garage. Nobody asked me to help fix their cars, like Pastor PJ. <laughs> I don't know how to fix anything. And it saves me a lot of time. And so it's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. Hey, Pastor Bill, and I don't get phone calls. Can you come fix my car? Nope. <laughs> don't have a clue. Call Pastor PJ. And so, uh, so those were kind of some of the images that I see if you say, hey, God's a good dad. He's a good father. I'm like, huh? You gonna hand me a Mopar book? Be like, follow these rules. And that's what I experienced as I, as I first gave my, my life to the Lord, was like, oh, it's just, this book's just rules. And uh, 
and you know, I got here and I, and I start hearing people that saying he's a good dad and I'm like, mm, I, mm, I can't see him as a good dad. No, 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 like there was this one instructor, just crawl up into his lap. Just crawl into his lap and spend time with daddy God. And I'm like, crawl up into his lap and spend time with daddy. He'll punch me. His breath's gonna smell like coarse. I ain't crawling up to daddy's lap. And, oh. and so I struggled with this image of God, the father. And so I had to flip it, reverse it, and figure out my own squirrel. And so I figured out that the, the man that I could look at in my life was my papa. He was my grandpa, but we called him papa. He was a big barrel-chested man uh, from Tennessee, uh, corn-fed. He was a big man. But I tell you what, he, he was a big, he was just a gigantic arms-like papa. He was just huge. But he was the man that protected us. In fact, sir, you in the white T-shirt, you, you look really similar. Jen, it's your husband. You look like a young papa to me when, when I would see pictures. He, he was very similar to your build. And, um, and my dad one time was beating the, the tar out of my mom and my, my older brother. Fun stories, I know. And, um, and so he was doing his, his, his work with, with my mom and my, my brother jumped on his back trying to protect us. And uh, he threw him against the wall. And, and I was like three years old, four years, maybe four and, um, yeah, it was awesome, man, living in my aunt's basement. At that time, we drove from Virginia back to um, Oregon City, Oregon. Um, and then all of a sudden, Papa came in. See, Papa lived next door. <laughs> Papa comes in, and, and my Aunt Lois must have went over and got him. And um, next thing I know, Papa comes in, grabs my dad by his hair, by the back of his hair, and his shirt, like he had suspenders on or something, if I remember correctly. And my papa picked up my dad, which was six, he was about six, three, about my size, but a beer belly, because he drank a lot. And, um, and he picked him up and dragged him up 15, and you wonder why I know how many steps, was because we, we lived there for quite a while, uh, 15 steps. His feet, my dad's feet never touched those stairs. My papa just, and I, I remember standing at the doorway watching this, going, I'm never gonna see my dad again. Now, I don't know what happened once they got outside. I don't know if Papa just threw him in the yard and said, boy, if I ever see you back here, I'll kill you. He was, he was from the South. And so things like that, you know, where he grew up was probably a real thing. But my Papa protected me. My Papa was also somebody that I could go to his house as a four-year-old, five-year-old, and I could sit up in his lap and be protected. See, I knew if I was in my papa's lap with his big old farm and arms around me, no one could hurt me. I could tell you a horrible story as well that happened one night where I saw some horribleness uh, as somebody was tapping on the window and I opened the window and saw the most horrendous thing I've, I've ever seen. Uh, and I've seen some horrendous things in law enforcement. And I was five years old at the time and I, sc and I start screaming. And my papa comes out of the bedroom and he goes, Billy, what's, now he's the only one that can call me Billy, don't even, don't. And so, uh, so he says, Billy, what's wrong? And I couldn't speak, I remember not being able to speak, I just pointed. And he opens the door and this horribleness crawls into the floor, onto the floor, and, and God, I, want, I don't wanna get, in, get into it too much, 
But my papa's also the man that stepped over the person, grabbed me and put it in, in, in his room and closed the door. He was always the one to protect me. He was my protector. And so when I put God's face as my papa, all of a sudden I realized he was my protector. He was the one that could, could come to me whenever I needed and I could go to him whenever I needed and he would make sure Billy was okay. And so that little, little tiny paradigm shift, that little perspective shift helped me a ton. It helped me a ton. And so I, I hope sharing those stories will help you, but, but to hear somebody say, hey, Abba Father, you know, we sing some songs, they're like, Abba Father, and I'm like, oh, oh, awesome. When am I gonna get corrected? Grounded, left on the side of the road, you know, all these, all these great things. So I looked up, I had to look up the definition of what father meant. It's he who creates, invents, makes or composes anything, the author, a founder, director or instructor. God as a creator is the father of all men. He is the creator of all men. In Matthew chapter seven, verse nine through 11, it says this, or which one of you, if his son asked him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, will you give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? See, I had the father that probably would have gave me the serpent if I asked for a fish, right? Who knows? But that's not who God the Father is. Dude, I get blown away by sometimes, um, this, this happened a long time ago, I, I didn't even pray for golf clubs. I never even prayed about like, hey, I wish I'd get blessed with golf clubs. My mind doesn't think like that. And all of a sudden, somebody showed the house and blessed me with golf clubs. I never even prayed about it. See, the, God, the, the Father in heaven blesses you with things that you don't even pray about because he knows your desires. He knows the things that you want and you don't even pray about it. I never prayed about golf clubs. I actually had just bought a brand new set two and a half months before. But they weren't the ones I wanted. Don't tell my wife that, she's not listening right now. <laughs> she's like, you bought clubs you didn't want? Well, they were the ones I could afford. But he blessed me with golf clubs, I didn't even pray about it. See, the God, the Father, he wants to bless you. He doesn't want you sick. He doesn't want you stressed out with burdens or anxiety to call him dad. He doesn't want that. He wants to let you know, and I'm letting you know, you're safe with him. He's not gonna lie to you. He's not gonna betray you. You're safe with the Father. You're safe with him. Yahweh Sidkenu. Pastor Mick, I know you love that. I, I could probably give you a microphone right now. You could just preach on that because I know you love that. The Lord, our righteousness. Simply put it in my way, he is the Lord of our right standing. Yeah, I mean, I can't, I can't think of it any more way. He is the reason you're healed. He's the reason that we have right standing with God. He took our place. He took our burdens. He took our infirmities and our iniquities so why do we still have them if you're here tonight and sick? You're holding on to something that's not yours. He bore them for you and for me on the cross. 
Why have we imprisoned ourselves with it? In 1 Peter 2.24, it says this. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. You've been healed. If you're here tonight and you raised your hand already, you've been healed. You're holding on to something. Um, I wasn't about to do that. You're holding on to something that's a lie. Do you imagine if we, if we gave this to Adrian earlier and was like, hey, this is a microphone, use it, but really it was a, it was a taser and it just shocked his mouth? <laughs> kind of funny, actually, but... <laughs> but could you, could you... It's not a lie. This is a microphone. You're, you're holding on to something that's a, that's a lie. And, and maybe you've even sat back and thought to yourself... I deserve this. It's because I did this. It's because I didn't move here. It's because I, it's because I backslid. It's because of this. It's because I became an alcoholic. It's because I left my wife. It's because I left my husband. It's because of, of this or that. No, that's a lie. That's a lie. My people perish for lack of knowledge. You've been healed. Say it with me. Say, I have been healed by Jesus. Hallelujah. He's also our right standing with God the Father. Because of Jesus, we get to be in right standing with God. Because of Jesus, I get to go to the throne. I don't care. Here's how beautiful it is. You don't even have to like me. And it doesn't matter. I don't really care. Because I get to go to the throne. There's power in that. There's power when you get to walk in that, oh, I'm not really looking for approval of of man. I get to go to the throne. Oh, this person said this about me. I get to go to the throne. This person said this about, I get to go to the throne. This person said this, this person did this. I I am before the King of kings and the Lord of lords, my creator. I get to go to the throne. See, you, 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 might have it, you might have it a little off if you started caring more about man and the, than the throne because you don't visit the throne. See, when people visit the throne, they don't really, they care less and less about man. Because when the, when, when the Lord says something, hey, go, you gotta go pray for Adrian. I don't know, what am I gonna pray for him about? But I care more about the throne than I do about, don't take this the wrong way. Don't, like seriously, don't hear the wrong thing that I'm saying. I love you. But I care more about God's approval about making sure that Adrian got whatever Adrian needs to get than you being worried or saying something crazy about me. You go ahead and say something crazy about me. I go to the throne and then you know what else is gonna happen? The day that you get to go to the throne, what's it gonna be like? I share that story to hopefully get you to get to the point of like, no, I care what the Lord says. He told me to go speak to Adrian. I'm gonna pray for Adrian. What are you gonna pray for him about? I don't know. You'll find out when you get there. I have no clue. Did Egypt know what was gonna go on on the other side of the river? Did they know? Well, what's over there, God? 
Before we drop in there and we walk over, what are we, we going to do? What are we going to eat? Is there fast food? Is there pizza? Like, why are we going? Hey, hey, this is probably what the Lord said. Look behind you. Oh, good enough reason. Right? Care because we get to go to the throne. And the reason we get to go to the throne is because of Jesus. Dude, it's so cool. Jesus. He bore it all. He bore it all so that we could, man, are you kidding me? So that we could have a good father. Amen. One of the first things that I knew Jesus about, I think I could be pretty safe about this maybe with all of us in this room. One of the first things that I had personal experience about with Jesus was he was my redeemer. Raise your hand if that's true for you. Hallelujah. He's my redeemer. Dude, I will never forget the day that I found out he was my redeemer. I will never forget the freedom when I found out he was my redeemer. I'll never forget that day. I'll never forget the blue sky as I walked out the Oregon City Assembly of God Church. And like, I remember walking in and the blue sky didn't seem all that blue. But when I walked out, it was vibrant blue. All of a sudden, it was like, I had like real eyes. It was, it was the most beautiful day. I was redeemed. I, can't, I couldn't redeem myself. I thought I could until I met the Redeemer. And then I realized, oh man, I was trying to do this all on my own. So I had to look up the definition of Redeemer. The one who ransoms for another. Jesus Christ is our Redeemer. He paid the ransom that we could not pay. You know, it's kind of like if, if I held Pastor Mickey, we're putting your marriage to the test. If I held, if I held Pastor Mickey hostage, come here, Pastor Mickey. Not that I could, because he's a tough man. Um, but if I, held, if I held Pastor Mickey hostage, he couldn't pay his own, own ransom because he doesn't carry his own wallet. His wife does. And so... <laughs> that was on the spot. I didn't have that planned. <laughs> but Miss Christie would have to pay the ransom for him. Right, she would have to pay it for him. He couldn't pay it for himself because I, if, I, if I wanted, I would just take it. And I would keep that extra money and then make her pay. And, and I said it three times and she just stayed there. She's like, you can have him. No, I'm joking, she would never say that. And so um, somebody has to pay our ransom for us for all the sin that we did. And that's my redeemer. That's your redeemer. If you've accepted Jesus, he, he's, he's your redeemer. Hey, come on, man, he's my redeemer. He is my redeemer. If he ain't yours, you can, you can maybe get to know him if you want. In 1 Peter chapter 1, 18 through 19, it says this. Know that you were not redeemed or purchased with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Yeah, I'm, tr I'm gonna try not to teach on this because like, it kind of like was one of those things as I, as I was reading it and writing, I'm like, oh man, that's amazing. From your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. Prior to Jesus, and I can attest to this, I was going through life without a target. 
searching and never, I was never happy. Trying to buy things that would make me happy. Trying to find the next thing that would make me happy. Just aimlessly going through conduct of the traditions of my fathers. And then when I found the real Jesus, man, all of a sudden it's like, I don't need that. I could care less if I have a Harley. I could care less if I have this. I could care less if I have that. I wanna do the will of God. Like all of a sudden, like the priorities just like kind of fell in line. The aimless conduct was like behind me because I knew my Redeemer. I started seeing his heart and that he loved me. He loved me. Broken, abused, couldn't, couldn't talk. You guys get the, the ill after effects of that. I talk too much now. Sometimes I, I, I'll, like, I'll text Pastor Mark. I'm like, hey, you got a minute? Can I come down? Just to see what he says. And then I'll just go down and talk to him for like 35 minutes just to see how long he'll let me talk to him. I'm joking. I've never done that to him. <laughs> That's the next text message. He's like, no, you cannot. <laughs> and he'll probably respond back, ha-ha. And, um, <laughs> and so, and so um, we were not purchased by like gold or silver. We were purchased by the blood of the lamb. The only one that could do it the only one that could do it. The only one. Hey, Wade. You notice, just so you can know this, when I said Wade, I, I, I left Pastor out of it for a reason because I just wanted him to hear his name. Right when I said his name, he nodded his head. He's like, what's up? Didn't even think about it, did you? We respond to our name like that, no matter what. Pastor Wade's first response was, what's up? He didn't even say what's up, but that, that's, the, that's the, the head nod. <laughs> right? My, my canine in, in police work, he responded to his name. Not dog, not ruah, not other pe- dogs' names, Diesel. In fact, we would train him for you to say his name and he wouldn't respond to you because he would only respond to the way I said his name. You could sit there and be like, Diesel, come here, Diesel, come here. And he would just sit there and look at you and like, if I come over there, I'm biting you. (laughs) But he would respond to when I called his name, Diesel. And he'd come running, boom, sit right by my leg and just wait to go back. God has created something innate in us about our name. As a, as a dad, there's something kind of cheesy that I'm going to admit to. I love hearing my daughters say dad. I don't know what it is, but when I hear my daughters say dad, I'm like, huh. <laughs> I, don't use that against me. But there is, Pastor Mickey, is that true? There's something about it, huh? I mean, husbands, go like randomly and, and don't call your wife honey. Just call her by her name and see what happens. Right? Like, I don't know the last time I said Jennifer. 
she'd be like, what's wrong with you? You know what I mean? It's babe. Hey, babe. Hey, hot mama. Um, and so, you know, and so I can't believe I just said that out loud. I apologize. She's my hot mama. And so she's not your hot mama, so you can't call her that. Now I'm just trying to make up. <laughs> Turn it into a joke when you're really uncomfortable. So I, I, I looked up something today just because, well, I was, I was super interested. Hearing your own name causes your brain to react as if you're engaging in the behaviors and thought patterns that serve as some of your common core identity and personality markers. They're tied into it. It's like for a long time, if you said, um, you know, we have, I have two of my, my old supervisors, not old in age, gentlemen, past supervisors. If, if I say, you know, cop, we think we have certain thoughts, don't we? If I say LT or captain or Sarge, I call him Sarge all the time. He was my first sergeant. It automatically engages those common core beliefs and who they've been for 30 plus years as law enforcement. Same thing with dad. It automatically engages. <laughs> and to prove this true, I was going through my, my phone the other, other week and it, Google had like, hey, three years ago you were doing this. And so um, I was like, oh, what was I doing three years ago? And uh, I happened to make it to the gym once. No joke, it was once. I'm not even playing. It was one time. There's somebody here in the back um, that knows this time. Because I took a picture of myself and sent it to him and went, I can't believe I'm here. And so um, I've, been, I've been hitting the gym and eating better because I was fat and out of shape and disgusting. And, um, and it's okay, you can say that about yourself. Um, and I looked at this photo <laughs> And I automatically had a core concept thought. I looked at him and went, I hate that place. I mean, it was the first thing that I, th I thought of. I hate that place. I don't like the gym. But it proves my point of, if I say Adrian, I'm gonna get two people's responses in the front row. Lauren, she automatically raises her eyebrows and lifts her head. Automatically. Nikki, it's automatic. It's automatic. There's an automatic response. And in this study, it even showed people that are in a vegetation, vegetative state in the hospital being, you know, supported by life support, they would say their name and their brain would have an immediate response for three seconds and it would go back. They can't move any part of their body. They can't do anything. But their brain of where the, the, the brain responds and reacts to their, your name immediately has a response in a vegetative state. That blows my mind. But I want you to understand this. Jesus. No, I don't think, I, see, some of us, some of us, need to start really engaging. I know all my Bible college students and graduates and alumni, I know y'all know how to do this. Um, I'm not saying nobody else doesn't. I just know they do. Listening to the, to the inner man, Jesus. 
He's like, what's up? He's just sitting up there, and he's like, what do you need? Come on, say it. What do you need? I've been waiting for you. What do you need? He told us to say his name. The Father's the one who created our brain. We say our name, and we immediately have a response. We can't do anything about it. And then Jesus is the one who said, use my name. I give you my authority in my name to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, and to make disciples of all nations. Now go. His name is above all other names. There's no sickness nor disease that is above the name of Jesus. They all bow. Oh, my, my tumor. Oh, my tumor. And, and, and that, that, that little, like, the demon of sickness is like, oh, yeah, say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Yay, say it again. Say it again. Say it again. And Jesus is sitting up there like, would you just say my name, fool? I am waiting to kick that dude out. Would you just say my name? Now, he's not really calling you a fool. That was just my own translation. We have the most powerful name in all of creation. Like, all of creation, and we're sick? That's just dumb. And nobody in here is dumb. We might be American, but we ain't dumb. (laughs) Now, hear me out. What I almost wanted to do was stand out at the doors before anybody came in and say, hey, by the way, there's rules of going to church tonight. There's some rules. Sorry, I was trying to get out of the light, and then I realized that I was, you know, the lights get me. But I wanted to make some rules. If you're going to come in tonight and get prayed for, you have to know that you have no other option but this, or you'll die. Hey, Pastor Bill, why do you see so many miracles over in, in, in Africa? Because they don't get to go to the, the doctor. And if they do, they basically get a death sentence because they don't have money to pay the doctor. So they just go back home anyways. And then they hear the gospels coming to get preached. See, that, that's just, then they hear the gospels coming to get preached because they, they have these crazy Americans that are coming over saying the name of Jesus. Well, what are you gonna preach? I don't know, something about Jesus and the cross. I'll figure it out once we get there. I'll figure it out. I don't know, something about Jesus and the cross. Hey, Lord, as I was praying today, hey, Lord, you know what? How about this message, this message, this message? Oh, glory to God. We're going to lay hands on people. People are going to get healed, set free, delivered. Glory to God. Man, let's do communion because communion is powerful. Communion's no joke. Because I got reminded one time we did a communion service in Africa, and we didn't pray for anybody, and, like, people were getting healed all over the place. The power of communion. Faith. And he goes, no, I didn't tell you to do that. I'm like, yes, sir, you didn't. (laughs) My own idea, sorry. And he goes, sing my name. See, to all y'all people that laughed at me that said I couldn't sing, God told me to sing, Pastor Mark. I'm not gonna do it right now. (laughs) But nobody was at home, it was just me, and so I was singing the name Jesus. Not like Adrian either. And I was just singing his name and singing his name. And it, you know, 
takes, takes a little bit for my hamster to, to get, you know, figure it out. But all of a sudden, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's just so simple. The gospel is so simple. Being healed is so simple. The hard part got taken care of. He's like, it's in my name. And then he reminded me of a dream I had, and, and, and this was when I was leaving law enforcement into, into ministry, and, and we're, did I know we were in Africa? No, except that there was a lion coming out of the bush, and it was charging me. And uh, as it was charging me, I reached down for my, my duty weapon, my sidearm, and I went, and I wasn't there. I couldn't find it, and I'm like, it's always there. And I looked down, and nothing was there, and immediately the Holy Spirit told me in the dream, he goes, you must rely on his name from this point on. And I wake up. Now that's a sobering thought because I wish I could tell you that on that dream, I immediately said his name, but I didn't. I went to a fleshly thing on my side, on my, on my hip that I had been trained to go to. What's your go-to? We don't fight against flesh and blood, right? So why are we trying to use flesh and blood stuff? It's in his name. It's in his name. The culture can say all these things. You can say whatever you want. Just don't say, don't talk about Jesus in school. You can use the word God, not Jesus though. In the workplace, don't use the name Jesus. Dude, they know the power of the name Jesus. Use the name. Use the name and watch demons flee. In fact, there's some people that are probably here tonight that are a little bit uncomfortable here. And if I, and I might, I don't know, I'm, I'm just kind of saying I might. I might just start coming and, and walking around you. Because the anointing makes certain people uncomfortable. And it's not the person, it's the demons around them or on them or attached to them. I don't really get into that. How can a person be possessed or oppressed? I don't really care. If there's, if there's wolves in my backyard in the patio that I can't go barbecue, I don't care if they're in my house or in my patio. I don't care, I just want them gone, off my property. Right? So there's some of you that are probably like, oh gosh, I hope you don't come by me. Oh gosh, I hope he doesn't come by me. Oh Lord, I hope he doesn't come by me. Right? Pastor Bill, you poking people and pestering people. Yes, I am. But I'm not pestering you. I'm pestering the spirit behind you that's been controlling you and oppressing you and teasing you and making your life brutal and people's lives around you brutal. Well, why are you doing this? Well, because I learned something in Africa one time when I didn't know what I was doing. I was just preaching. And as I walked by, one dude, all of a sudden I hear a chair flip up. And I look back and a demon starts manifesting. And then boom, another one, and boom, another one. All with people that I walked right by. I was preaching one time in here and, and, and somebody came to me and... Um, they said, dude, my little son wanted to run when you walked by him. And they've been having anger issues with their son and, and really some really bad things being, being said. 
So we prayed for him. He got taken care of because the Lord is a good, good father. He doesn't want to embarrass us, make us ashamed. He wants us to be set free. You know, the Bible says that we bring liberty to the captives in his name. So I want, to t- I want to share this with you tonight. If you are here and you're, you know that you know, because there's some of you that are here that you know that you know, that you're carrying an extra backpack on you, so to speak. Laura, you got a backpack purse? Last time you wore that sweater, I wore your sweater and I put it back on you and you, and you, got, you got whooped. Um, and so, you know, that backpack ain't yours, but it's weighing you down. Well, why do you have it on? Because you allowed yourself to have it put on. You're like, oh yeah, I kinda like this. It's convenient. Makes me feel good sometimes. Until it starts really affecting your life. So when we get ready to pray, I'm probably just gonna call you out and just say, hey look, if you wanna get set free of, of demonic oppression, then get up here and let's get it taken care of so that you can be set free. See, again, that's like an American thing. We're like, oh, well, let's just set up counseling. Call on Tuesday. What if they're dead by Tuesday? Paul was walking in that, and that, that girl that was, that was, you know, possessed, he didn't, he didn't sit there and be like, hey, come, come talk to us at the synagogue behind an office so that, you know, no one knows who you are. Everyone knew who they were anyways. She was a fortune teller, right? She was making money for for people. And then people got all mad at Paul because he took their finances away from them. So if you want to be set free tonight, man, it's going to be easy. It's just calling on his name. It's it's simple. Just Jesus. Healer. Definition is this. He or that which cures or restores to soundness. A sound mind. Who needs a sound mind? Don't raise, okay, you can raise your hand, but you don't. Seriously, do you, I mean, if you need a sound mind, let's just do it. Who needs a sound mind right now? Raise your hand. I got my sound mind. I ain't taking that lie. We're gonna, we're gonna get into this. Here's how we're gonna do it. I need you to understand this, though. Healer, he that which cures or restores to soundness, to soundness. The Holy Spirit told me you can't reach for your gun, my name. My name works. When I didn't know anything, absolutely nothing, went to the first person I prayed for in Africa, and I'm like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? She's possessed. But I didn't even know she was possessed, I was that stupid. I asked the usher, what's wrong with her? He looks at me like I was supposed to know everything. I was just a first year Bible college student. He looked at me, he goes, she is possessed. I'm like, I don't know what to do. (laughs) And I'm like, Holy Spirit, you're my teacher and God, what do I do? And so he led me through this and you know what it kept on coming back to? His name and the love and the power of the cross of Calvary and his name and his name and his name, and she was set free. And then we went to the next person, and she was set free. 
And then the next person and she was set free. And then the next person and he was set free. And then the next person, I think it was five or six that night. I went from not knowing anything and doubting that part of our whole entire civilization. Like, that doesn't happen now. That only happened when Jesus was alive. Yeah, Jesus was like, hey, you're here, so I'm gonna blow up your entire theology, son. I'm gonna let you know my name is above all other names. And then one time we were there, uh, or I was there, I was there by myself uh, in a November, and, uh, and the service got over, we got done praying for people, and I'm out in the, in the parking lot of, of Jericho Breakers, and uh, it had been a long night, and next thing I hear is, is Pastor Joseph screaming for my name, and, and Brother David's like, he's, he's, he's requesting you. I'm like, why? He's like, we must go see and so we walk in there, and, and I see him over in the corner of the church. It'd be like over there. And there's this woman laying down on the ground, and, and she's having issues. And uh, I go over there. I'm like, Pastor Joseph, what's up? He's like, she is possessed. Set her free. Now, I'm sitting there like I was trying to have a conversation with my brother. Well, why don't you set her free? You're saved. You're a pastor. You're a man of God. Set her free. Use the name Jesus. But I didn't do that. I just went, okay, yes, sir honor. And so I, I knelt down and, and I started, started praying for her and I said, Holy Spirit, you know, it's a really good thing if you ask the Holy Spirit, <laughs> right? And uh, I said, Holy Spirit, what's going on with her? She says, oh, she was, she was raped and she, she <laughs> has a spirit of like murder. She wants to kill the person. I'm like, she wants to kill a person or did kill a person? Which one was it? He's like, oh, she, the person's dead. And I'm like, oh, well, now what do you do with that? So she gets set free. She had paid somebody to kill the person that raped her. Yeah, real world stuff, man. You know what's crazy though? Even with real world stuff, the name Jesus took care of it. Jesus set her free. Jesus restored her. Jesus healed her. Come on, come on. Come on. Pastor, Pastor Mark asked me to do a marital uh, counseling when I was first here. It was, the, it was the first or second couple I had ever counseled. A long time ago, I got his permission to share this story if I ever needed to. And he says, as long as it helps people. So we're in there, and I'm, I'm brand new, don't know anything, and wondering why Pastor Mark would even do this to me, and let alone these two people. And uh, it's because he had faith in God. And, uh, and so I'm sitting there and, the, and the, the wife was here and the husband was here and they're talking and it's not going well. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, what do I do? This is like, they're having an argument in front of me. I don't know how to do this. Like separate them here and here, call from two more pastors. Like I can cop it out. But Holy Spirit, what do we do? And she's going off about something, right? And, and the Holy Spirit shows me that when he was about, 15 years old, it shows me him in a car doing a drive-by where he killed somebody. And I'm sitting there now going, oh my gosh, I thought this was like marriage counseling. <laughs> now I'm dealing with a homicide suspect of some time when he was 15-ish, or am I just imagining this? And I said, hey, 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 ma'am, 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 simmer down. I think we're gonna get to the root problem right now. And I said, hey, sir, um, 
I don't know why the Holy Spirit would be showing me this unless this was the key that unlocks your guys' freedom and restores your marriage. Did you do a drive-by when you were 15 and like killed somebody? And her eyes, man, her eyes went like this, his eyes went like this, and now I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, it's real. <laughs> and I don't know anything, any, I don't know anything. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this like pastoral stuff? I can't sell. Oh my gosh, I gotta talk to Pastor Mark. I don't know what to do. And uh, lo and behold, they're the only two people in the entire world that know it. Well, besides now. (laughs) But you know the beautiful thing? It's what restored their marriage. They had been in condemnation their whole lives. We prayed for them, they got set free. And the last thing I I remember him saying was, I'm ready to go apologize to him and his family because come to find out he didn't die. He he became paralyzed in a wheelchair. God restores. See, when you call upon the name of Jesus, he responds. You know, the devil even said, hey, look, you could take yourself down off the cross cross if you just called upon a whole like legion of, of angels. That's all Jesus would have had to do. And if I remember correctly, a legion of angels was something like 12,000, right? In a word spoken, 12,000 angels. But it's not his name. How much more powerful is his name where he sets the captives free? Sickness flees. So as you come tonight, and just like that last song that we sang and prayed, do that song, mm, we're gonna sing it again. We're gonna sing it again as we pray for people. But I want you to know this, as you come up here tonight, it's his name. You know, one of the greatest things that I, I think he's ever, ever, one of the greatest things he's ever shown me in scripture is that he is the I am. He's the I am. And as I was, as I was remembering that he's the great I am, I was just like in awe of really probably what that means. And so as I was thinking about it, it's like, imagine the I am. In fact, can you put that up on the screen real quick just so that everyone can visually see it? What do you need the blank to be? I'm the healer, I'm the redeemer, I'm the restorer, I'm the provider. I'm your righteousness, I'm your savior. What do you need? Because he's the great I am. I am that. He said, I am that. Whatever you need, I'm that. In your time of need, I'm that. In the darkness, when, when life seems too much, I'm that. I'm the problem and overcomer for that. I'm that. When it seems that you're isolated and there's no one around, he's that. Call upon the name of Jesus and he's that. When you need restored, call on the name of Jesus, he's the restorer. Call on the name of Jesus when you need prayer. Call on the name of Jesus, not Bill. Call on the name of Jesus, not a city. It's the name of Jesus that sets us free. It's the name of Jesus that has us healed. 
Not Wade, not Doug, not Pastor Mark. It's the name of Jesus. We're here to teach you that. We're here to teach you to be such an army where it's like, oh, I know the name of Jesus. And then people start talking to you and you're like, say the name of Jesus. Say the name of Jesus. Well, what's, what's, what's that? It's just a name. No, it's not. It's the, it's the name above all names. And we're calling on the name above all names tonight. When you come up tonight, we're calling on the name that is above all names where other, all other names will bow their knee to the name of Jesus. To the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus called upon me to, to, to pray for Adrian tonight so that he knew that his mom was always right. She didn't pay me to say that. The name of Jesus set my life free. The name of Jesus restored my marriage. Like three months into it, like what did we do? 21 years old going, oh my gosh, this is hard. I didn't know what a successful marriage looked like. Thank God that Jesus did. Thank God her parents did. Thank God he gave me a wife like Jen. My own hot mama. He gave us a church that preaches the word. He gave us a church and pastors that preach the word and the spirit of God. Hand in hand. Man, we are, we are so blessed to know the name of Jesus. Not only to know the name of Jesus, but we're blessed and so honored that he allows us to use his name. Doesn't mean we should use it flippantly, but with power. And when we call on his name, we know he's coming. When Peter was walking on water and he got fearful and scared and he started to fall, he said, Jesus, Lord, save me. Jesus wasn't sitting there like, I'll, I'll get to it when I get to it, Pete. That's kind of a big wave. He didn't say that. He said, Lord, save me. And immediately, the Bible says, immediately, he was there. Jesus is immediately there tonight. He's immediately with us tonight. He's with us always and in power. Everywhere we go, he's with us in power. When you walk up here tonight, he's up here with power. He's up here waiting with like a, a gigantic, beautiful, beautiful uh, dish of just your healing. Your healing. You don't even got to work for it. You're just going to take it. Just be like, oh, glory to God, thank you. Glory to God, thank you, Jesus.